Welcome to Season 2 of Connect to Capital, a podcast brought to you by Scale Investors. I'm Samar Michaela, co-CEO at Scale Investors, and I will be your host. Our vision at Scale Investors is a world where gender does not limit access to capital, and we're on a mission to maximise returns by investing into Australia's best women-led startups. We know the transformational power of collaboration, and we are passionate about connecting founders with the advice, education, and deep network to enable them to thrive. In this podcast, we interview Australia's most successful and thoughtful venture investors. We believe that knowledge is power and education is a key driver in removing the investment gender gap. We are thrilled to play our part in providing entrepreneurs the opportunity to create a better future. It's time to open access. And if you're keen to invest and maximise your returns into Australia's best women-led startups, we have the perfect product for you, the Scaling Women's Fund. This is our solution to realise the significant opportunity in an overlooked market. Get in touch today by emailing ceo at scaleinvestors.com.au to learn more. And make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss a minute. Jodie is the co-CEO and co-founder at Tractor Ventures. I was really looking forward to learning more about Jodie to better understand how she got to where she is today. I find Jodie one of the most interesting people in the startup ecosystem. She has a humility about her and a voice I could just listen to all day. Jodie's passion for helping businesses start and grow is evident throughout our conversation. Before founding Tractor Ventures with Matt and April Allen, she was the general manager at SBE Australia. She also set up the Innovation Bay community in Melbourne and is an advisor to multiple startups and a mentor at Startmate. Jodie also has experience as a founder of Occasional Butler, a two-sided marketplace that was acquired by rival Airtasker and founded Depot 8, a co-working space. In this chat, you will hear about how knowing your strengths, trying something new, and what you focus on expands are all mantras that Jodie lives by. Not to mention learning who inspires her most. Truly a humbling and super fun chat. Thanks so much for joining us today, Jodie. It's an absolute pleasure. I know we've been in touch for quite some time, so I'm really keen on having this chat with you today. Tell us a little bit about your background. Maybe let's go to the start. Like, did you see yourself as a founder and now an investor and CEO of Tractor? Like, where did you see yourself when you were kind of growing up? I think my earliest memory of what I wanted to do when I grew up was to be a hairdresser. And then I upgraded that into real estate. I wanted to be a real estate agent. And then that's when I was in growing up in Western Sydney. And then mum moved us to country town Wagga Wagga and... I met a different group of friends and, and started studying and ended up going to uni and did a commerce marketing degree. And that just spat me out into the corporate world as it does. And yeah, I didn't really know at that point probably what I really wanted to or where I'd end up. I spent a couple of years working for these IT companies in Sydney and London and then kind of pretty quickly realised that corporate world wasn't for me. So I ran away to the fashion industry for nearly 10 years, which was just as a young woman, I thought fashion was an interesting industry that I wanted to just explore. It was a passion of mine and grew a company there, a fashion designer, Leon Reviston, I was her general manager. We grew that business over the nine years to nearly 100 staff and 25 stores around the world and lots of learnings. But I really did have a yearning, probably from the corporate days, to do my own run my own business. Um, I didn't want to be reliant on any one organisation to 
for a paycheck, like, because yeah. you could be yeah. made redundant, which I thought. And so I didn't ever want to be at the whim of a corporate change happening. So that, that seed was planted and then eventually left fashion and started my own technology company, which was called Occasional Butler, which was in 2011, a marketplace for getting small jobs done around the home and office. And that was kind of before marketplaces were really a thing, especially services. So that was a ride, um, but we sold that to Airtasker a few years later. Also, I ran one of, I started and ran one of Melbourne's first co-working spaces, Depot 8, which we organically ran and grew for eight years until the pandemic. And so I guess those things, and once I'd sold occasional butler, I did a lot of mentoring and advising and so worked with a lot of startups. And it feels like now here at Tractor, all of those things have been the perfect background for what I'm doing now. Although I was never my goal to be doing this exact thing. I love your story and I've I've heard it quite a few times and it's just, it's quite, I mean, what do you think it was about those sort of formative years that kind of led you down the, I mean, you, I feel like we all sort of, especially back in like the nineties and early two thousands, like everyone sort of gets spun out to corporate, right? That's yeah. kind of grow up. And then you're like, hang on a second. Like you said, you don't want to be beholden to the, the corporate giant and their, their kind of silly decision-making. Yeah. What do you reckon it was about those formative years that made you go, I want to be my own boss? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I think it was actually instilled in me really early, like in my childhood, I was very independent and I started doing jobs and getting paid from like 12 years old. (laughs) And so I did have this desire to make money and have things. And so I always had that sort of that drive to create things. I just remember that moment. We're seeing all those redundancies thinking, oh my God, cannot trust somebody else to be always giving me a paycheck. I've got to build that for myself. So one of the other experiences I think that got you to where you are now a tractor is um, SBE Australia. Can you talk to us a little bit about that experience and how that's kind of shaped your view of the venture capital early stage investment landscape? Yeah, I mean, it was two years that I ran SBE and it was it was a really great experience because I've never really been involved in a not-for-profit before. And I think the work that I did there and as an organisation, like I guess the thing that I would say that helped me from that, that is, of course, we're helping a lot of different women run a lot of different businesses and so just more exposure to to all the problems and all the challenges and, and seeing how money was flowing and um, trying to help facilitate that. But I think because the mission, I don't know, just there, there was a profile piece to that. Like I think that before I did that, that I didn't have as much profile, which seems... I don't know, a bit icky to talk about. <laughs> yeah. a, I think it's a thing. Like, and if you're known for something, then opportunities kind of flow in that direction more. Yeah, right. It's so interesting. And what is the most pleasurable part of your current role right now? For me, I really love the strategy side of of what I'm doing. Like, I love being in a strategy session with our leadership team or with our or with any of our teams and coming up with ideas of how we can do things differently and better, both internally and for our customers. So I love that strategy piece. I also really love just people, the people element and trying to help everyone in the team be their best selves and be in their best sort of genius zone. And that's kind of been a lot of my focus. And then, of course, it's always amazing to be able to help a founder just get that little step further from where they are is always just really great. You just mentioned the word genius zone. I feel like that might be something you've created as part of your strategy work. What does that exactly mean? 
Well, we're just trying to make sure that everyone is doing what they're best at and what they love as well. And you can't always have the perfect job that never has bits in it that you don't like doing. (laughs) But as much as possible, like a combination of where you're just naturally, that's what you love to do and you're really good at doing it. Yeah, I was hearing the CEO of Alibaba talk about in your 30s and 40s, you should be focused on doing what you're really good at because you've had a, a good decade or so of building some skills and you should just focus in on that. So that makes so much sense. And yeah, that sounds so fun. What a great way to sort of combine obviously something you're really passionate about in terms of helping other founders, given you've been a founder yourself and learning probably incredible things from people doing some incredible stuff, I guess. I just want to touch on again what you said before about having that profile at SB or or building that profile in that Mm. short amount of time. Important, do you think that is for founders? And does this come up in this kind of genius zone conversations that you're having? It's funny. I, find, I feel like backpedaling now. It's an awkward thing to talk about. Why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've got a great profile, I think. Yeah, I think I didn't do it deliberately, but I think that it's definitely. But I think that's why. I think it's like really authentic. Like I feel yeah. like that's why it's resonated with so many people. I don't know. That's just my opinion, but well, yeah, I reached out to you to be on well, this podcast, right? <laughs> well, see, that's, and I think that's my, would be my tip about it because it is if you, and to any founder looking, I know, you know, we're getting to the nuts and bolts about getting investment and stuff, but I think it is when you do stand for something and you can just be open and honest and, and just be public about that, then that's how people know what you're into. And then they they go, oh, when they're thinking of that topic, they'll say, oh, Jodie would be good for that because I know she's passionate about helping women founders. It's sort of a, and so I get like a lot of invitations and opportunities coming my way because I've been pretty vocal about what it is that I can do and love doing. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's just putting it out there into the universe. <laughs> I love that. It's what you put out there and what you focus on then just kind of expands, right? That's yeah. 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 Well, we've talked about some pleasurable things about your role. What are some of the challenging parts of your role and your work right now at Tractor? We are in a very fortunate position. This is not our first radio for most of us, but we're having all the good problems. So it's like, <laughs> how do we keep up with demand? What's the smartest way to grow? I guess the hardest thing is just when there is, team dynamics that are out of place and people are not happy that's for me that I carry that I find that that's got to get solved (laughs) um so that's that's always hard but I think yeah for me in my in my career this is all fun good problems like in previous startups where it's been how do I find a customer and there's no customers coming and you've got this stress of I'm running out of money that is way worse problems to have and way more challenging. On the note of making investment decisions, what do you look for when you're making investments? So I guess I've got two hats. I've got tractor hat because we're doing debt funding. It's a very different lens. And then as an angel investor, it's totally different. So are you interested to hear both or one or the other? Oh, yeah, I'd love to hear both. Sure. Okay. So at Tractor, because it's debt, we're looking at companies that are that are creating revenue already, at least fifteen thousand dollars a month. They've got in revenue. They've got some runway. You know, ideally six months. They don't need to be profitable, but we're really the lens is, can they pay back the loan? Ultimately, that's the lens. Like we're not looking for a unicorn. We're not looking for <laughs> some big market opportunity. It's more because it is short-term lending. It's it's the viability of the business to pay it back. That's kind of the thing. As long as there's technology enabled and it can 
grow at a, at a decent rate, then it's we're across all industries. So we're very broad in the types of companies we look for. As an angel, it's way more specific. It's very much around backing women founders. And then more specifically than that, ideally, it's in an area of social impact that really just resonates with me. So helping helping girls and women around the world find equal opportunity is a big part of that. If there was a Rolodex of all the venture investors in Australia, what would you want your entry to say about you so that only the founders that you've sort of described would come and approach you? I mean, I think it's those things. Like I'm passionate about women founders, so I'd definitely start there. And I do talk to women founders all the time and that's great. Like if you're a woman founder and you need support or connections or potential investment or anything, like definitely hit me up. And then beyond that, like, because that's obviously very broad, beyond that, it's, it's businesses that can help to make that social impact. Obviously, global reach is really super exciting. And then from there, it's really, for me, probably about finding that genuine connection with someone that I know I can go on the journey with because it's it's usually a long time <laughs> that you're working together and that you're, I want to be able to feel that passion of, of what they're doing and, and, and connect with them personally as well. That's a perfect segment. We always talk about values and having that kind of values alignment and connection is definitely part of that. What would you say and how would you describe your values? Yeah, I think one of my dearing kind of guiding values is which I'm always trying to ask myself is am I being generous? Like am I coming to this this podcast, this meeting, this day, this investment, this whatever it is, how can I give? Like that's what I always want to be doing. So that's a big one for me. And then just that open honesty and being genuine. These are the things that mean a lot to me. Yeah, great. I'd say there wouldn't be that many people that would, I mean, why generosity? Like I find that really altruistic and like such a great value to have. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's funny, even um, when we're running the co-working space and we came up with some values and to help make decisions and one of them was because it's a personal one of mine just to be generous and so whenever we'd come up with like okay so should we do a party for all of our members and should we go to this place or that place are we being generous okay let's go to the better place and those kinds of more practical things ways of looking at that as well and I think if you're always in my experience by being generous it always comes back it always comes back more than you give yeah yeah and with that kind of having I feel like that's kind of inherent in generosity. It's actually done from a place of, like you said, giving as opposed to expecting anything in return and yeah. then it kind of does come back. I really resonate with that. I know we never like to pick a favourite, but <laughs> I'd love for you to let us know about it, a couple of your favourite investments and why they are your favourite. Yeah. Well, so I guess two of my, my more recent ones. So Resume is one that I invested in recently or a year or so ago and the reason I love Christine and Will and the team and what they're doing is that it's it's bringing generations it's sort of connecting generations through food and I just love that like itself that social connection and and not losing all of that beautiful generational wisdom and culture and and family recipes and then also just the drive of those two (laughs) and the hustle and the and they're just beautiful people so that's that would be one and then elephant is a much more recent one that I just invested in and Cherie and Johnny and they're just again 
I just love the mission of it's a gift. It's helping organisations to be organised around gifting. So not just the gifts, but when to gift and reminders and organising the whole thing. And because a little gift goes a long way, I guess it comes in line with my generosity (laughs) value, you know. It's just little things and little thoughts and showing that you care. Like it really does go a long way. So I love that. And they're also awesome people. One of the early ones at Tractor as well, which I I love to rave about, is Amplified Intelligence and Karen Nelson-Field, one of our very early businesses that we invested in. And, I mean, she's just such a gun. She's come from being a professor in her field into having this, like, very successful decade-long consulting business that's now become a tech scale-up. And she didn't really know where to kind of start in this whole world and use Tractor funding to get some tech built and then that's gone on to then enable her to get some venture funding and, and off she goes. And, yeah, so that's that's always one I love talking about. What are some of the most important lessons you've learned from some of the entrepreneurs that you've worked with? The biggest one is just the resilience. You've got to, as an entrepreneur, just have that resilience and sometimes it's hard and it's like I remember when we put occasional butler out into the world and I have never felt that vulnerable before in my life. <laughs> like you designed this thing that you've built, that you've branded, that you've put all your money into, and then you said, here, look at my baby kind of thing. <laughs> and it's so scary. And then when things don't go to plan as well, it's devastating. And so I think it's just, yeah, that resilience to get through those moments when it's your whole heart and soul and yourself and putting your profile and everything's on the line. And getting through all those, is that resilience? I admire just that constant drive as well, that get up and go. And often I need a few reminders to do things. <laughs> and so I always have great respect for those founders that are like, hey, it's just me again, <laughs> because they don't give up. Some great traits. And then on the flip side, what do you think some of those kind of traits or what do you sort of need to maybe accelerate becoming a, a great venture investor? What are, what are those traits that you think people should um what would you recommend that they need to sort of think about when coming on to the investor side? I reckon they should go and start a business. <laughs> <laughs> I find that that is, makes my job much easier and enjoyable, I suppose, in that I've just, just that whole been there and done that, that empathy piece. It's an instant rapport builder and it's an instant, I know what you're going through and I've tried this myself in the past. But I think that that is priceless. So we've talked a lot about the good things. <laughs> I think everyone always loves to hear about failure. I think Australians, we're not great at using that as a word or maybe we should call it a setback or a learning. I think much, much better. <laughs> That's probably the better reframe that we all need to sort of learn a bit more from, pun intended. Mm-hmm. What is a great story that you can kind of share with us? Yeah, I mean, I agree. Like I think at Tractor we talk about testing and having a hypothesis and testing it and experimenting and those kind of words and I think they're so important and I tell my kids who are dabbling with the idea of starting a business that it's just to do a little experiment that's all it is because otherwise there's a fear of failure and then you never start anything but yeah my biggest one was you know the occasional butler we spent stacks of time like a year building this platform spent heaps of money hired a whole development team got it all Expect done, built before we even talked to one customer, launched it, had spreadsheets running, you know, in a hockey stick sort of style, and took months before we got a cast our first customer, and that was very difficult. 
very difficult just emotionally, mentally. Like I became quite paralysed at one point where I just couldn't figure out what to do. And so that's 100% my biggest failure. And I, we did course correct and come out of it, but I would never do it that way again. Thanks for sharing that, journey. I think a lot of people would resonate with that. But it's great. Start a business and build something and then just wait for customers. <laughs> that, that's, yeah, that's really hard. What's something that people are surprised to find out about you? Well, this is, might be a more recent thing, but I think I'm always kind of, I like doing crazy new things. So like a couple of years ago, I joined a dance group and did this dance on stage at the forum, which it was a bit crazy and it was, yeah, <laughs> like full dress up and just out of the blue, I've never danced in my life. And then I did an aerial acrobatics season last year and yeah, I just like to do crazy, challenging, scare, things that scare me. <laughs> Well, ever since I did that dance on the stage, I've never been nervous about picking up the phone to somebody who I would have thought was more important than me or those kinds of more things in life that I might have been nervous about in, in the past. I now no longer am. <laughs> what a great strategy. What is some of the best advice that you have received? I think definitely reaching out. So in order to turn around that sort of that worst moment, someone suggested I reach out to to like a mentor and that is how I turned it around. So I always would say like reach out to someone who's been there, done that or is doing it just a little bit ahead of you or anyone (laughs) really, you know, especially in our ecosystem. It's very friendly and people are happy to help generally. So definitely don't go alone. And the other thing would be just trust your instincts as well. It's not always easy, but if something's saying to you internally that something's not right, then don't ignore it. I guess on that note, like arguably you can, being a successful person yourself probably didn't come about, but you, most people need a lot of people around them to achieve that. Who would you say are the people or, or person that has been probably the most influential kind of role model in your life so far? It's a tough one. There's a lot of people around me. I haven't really been good at seeking mentors or finding that one sort of star that's like my guide. But um, I really think it's probably my kids are actually a really huge, they're role models for me. Like I look at them and think, gosh, I want to be more like you in many ways, each of them differently. But I'd say my kids, probably my close friends, and then like my whole, we ask this question at Tractor about who inspires you the most in the team. And I can only ever say everyone, <laughs> like yeah. everyone's really like good at what they do and really good people. And so I'm always inspired by by all of them. So yeah, there's lots of people around me at the moment. I love that. What are some of like the traits that like, it's, I'm really fascinated by the kid one. Cause I, I find it's like, <laughs> I look at my son and I'm like, oh, I want to be like you too. Right? <laughs> like, what do you reckon? What are the traits? Like, yeah, oh, like my daughter, my daughter, she's just so strong. Like she's eight years old, but she could, these characteristics, if she was a 25-year-old woman, she'd be just set, you know. <laughs> it's a bit much at this age, but she, you know, she's just so strong in herself and what she wants and doesn't want. And she'll say, she'll say how much she loves us. She'll read the list of everyone in the family who she loves, and she's on the top of that list. She loves herself the most of all, of all the people. And just things like this, which I don't feel like I've ever instilled in her necessarily, but it's just there. And, I, and I'm always like, oh, my God, I need to be more like you. <laughs> oh, gosh, you really is onto something, isn't she? Miles ahead of us. I think you mentioned this before, that you're a bit of a, or you can be, you know, you might need some chasing up. Maybe, I don't know if that translates to being a procrastinator. I know I certainly can be. Do you have some productivity hacks that have helped you 
not have to chase yourself up so much. (laughs) (laughs) I really don't think I've come up with anything that's really powerful to recommend. It's tough. I I don't think it's my strong suit. (laughs) (laughs) I'm lucky to have a team that I can probably delegate a lot of the things that I would otherwise procrastinate on I'm I love doing this stuff um if I'm in a meeting all day or out, out at events and talking and that's where I'm doing my best work if you ask me to do a to-do list with all these things that's when it's going to take a long time <laughs> yeah well that's great we love asking this question of our of our guests what are a few some favorite books or podcasts or any sort of material that you regularly consume and would like to recommend? to the audience yeah I've got some life-changing books they're not you wouldn't find them in the business section though so three of my favorites which I recommend and it seriously have been life-changing Untamed by Glennon Doyle A Radical Awakening by Dr Shafali and my recent one which I can't stop recommending and has been a game changer is called Pussy A Reclamation and (laughs) add this to my Taking notes, it's just an eye-opener, not just sexually but just like in all aspects of life. I think those books are very powerful and I do believe that to be successful in life and in business you need to be successful inside yourself. Like, you know, and so those personal development books have been big for me and that's kind of, that would be my favourite. That would be my favourites. Okay, we're going to add them to the show notes because I'm <laughs> adding them to my, well, I've, definitely, I've read Untamed but the other two. Especially the last one. That sounds amazing. I'm definitely adding that. We'll put them in the show notes. So what about any podcasts? Do you listen to any podcasts regularly or any any you recommend? Or Yeah, I was listening to stacks of podcasts for a while there and now I've moved more to Audible. But there's one podcast I really love called On Being and it's just it's kind of philosophy, poetry, big life topics, this beautiful post-American show. Just, yeah, I'll send you the the link for your yeah it's really it's a it's beautiful thought-provoking big ideas kind of podcast amazing we're going to add that to the show notes too and of course what advice would you give to entrepreneurs seeking funding and especially in this current market you know we're in arguably a risk-off market macro things are dire in some straits what advice would you give to entrepreneurs seeking funding at the moment Yeah, I mean, I love this question and can talk about it all day. And I think the biggest thing, and I actually was just at an empowered thing earlier today and talked about this, that I think what we tend to do as founders is think about just the next, the first raise or the next round, and we don't think about the full capital journey of the business. And things change, but to just at least have the outlook of, Firstly, what sort of path do you want to go on? Like, do you want to be a Canva and are you a grow at all costs type of business and that you want to go on that ride and you're going to be requiring one round after the other after the other and then there'll be big exit down the track or in five years time if you could secure a 30 million dollar exit from an acquisition with that and you own 100 of the company would that be an outcome that you would be happy with and then from there how do you get there and what are the best ways to use capital and not just to think about who am I going to get money from, but what type of money? So you might, firstly, it's got to be revenue from customers. That's the most important early money that I think you can ever get as long as you can. Otherwise, you know, there's government grants and there's some angel investment and those kinds of things. And then once you start to get revenue with players like Tractor and there are many others, you can start to say, 
what's the best type of capital for the activity I'm raising for? So if it's to put another salesperson on the ground or put my money in the ad budget, you don't want to sell shares for that. Like that is where you can use debt really effectively to grow your revenue and then you can go and sell shares down the track or even at the same time for sort of those longer investments like building out software or a new territory. Or So it's firstly thinking about the where you want to get to and how you want to get there, then all the different phases of, of capital you're going to need and then what type of capital in each phase. Thank you. That's such a great comprehensive uh, response. And of course, thank you so much for all your support of our educated programs. And currently we're obviously running Empowered. So we really appreciate no, thanks for Thanks for including me. It was, it was great today to see everyone. Yeah, we've got such a, a committed cohort this time around. I mean, we always do, but it always is as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Jodie. And I also want to ask, you know, what are you excited or optimistic about? I'm very, very excited about the opportunity that Tractor has right now. We talk about how we're feeling every week as a bit of a pulse and I'm always like four and a half or five (laughs) excited. And, yeah, I just think that there is a lot of doom and volume if you really want to dig into it, but also there's lots of opportunities and I think our sector as well is only just beginning and that there's so much opportunity for technology companies and there's increasingly more support and the ecosystem's growing. And I think it's very, very important to stay very optimistic and positive. Amazing. I totally agree. I think it's a very exciting time. As you know, like our ambition is to, you know, be the best investor in and supporter of women founders. So gender is no longer a barrier to seeking early stage investment. I mean, given your plethora and incredible background, Jody. what advice do you have for us to achieve this goal? I think it is important that we don't go too far on the women, supporting women, and that we can absolutely involve men. Like, I think we've got to be, it's so easy to talk about women and exclude men. And I think that that's something that I do all the time. (laughs) (laughs) We have to try to include men. And I think they want to be included more and more. And so it's just finding that, that language and that the ways, the pathways to do that. Yeah, we've done that in, like we've got this new product, the Women's Scaling Fund, and we've put an investment committee in place. And we've made sure it's 50-50. <laughs> yeah, nice. <laughs> we totally agree um, that men you know, arguably currently hold all the power. So you've got to have them on the journey and they are sometimes the best allies. And certainly in my career to date, I've had some incredible mentors and, yeah, it's about making, creating equality and parity and all those types of things. Not It's not about not including them and, and only... Well, we certainly need more women investors and it's always so great to interview women as investors and yourself as a founder turned funder. Like this is the flywheel that we need to continue to create and really build momentum. So it's just a standard sort of thing and and we drop women all together from the the prefix. It's just founder. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Exactly. That's the end goal. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Jody. It has been an absolute pleasure to get to know you a little bit more and for our audience to get some really great tips and think about their investing journey from a founder point of view as well as an investor point of view. So I really appreciate your time. Thanks for having me, Smile. It's been great. We hope you loved today's conversation as much as we did. As an investment venture firm founded by women, 
No one better understands what it takes for women-led startups to thrive like we do. We believe that education is a key driver in removing the investment gender gap. That's why we created Scale Educated, an education platform with online courses for both investors and founders. You can find them on our website. And if you're keen to invest and maximize your returns into Australia's best women-led startups, we have the perfect product for you, the Scaling Women's Fund. This is our solution to realize a significant opportunity in an overlooked market. Get in touch today by emailing us at ceo at scaleinvestors.com.au and make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you do not miss a minute.